Hello and welcome to Neurodivergent Moments. Hi, Joe. <laughs> this we're is in the this... most tired and manic we've ever been. Also, we're in the exact same city, yet still recording over Zoom because we couldn't get it <laughs> together to be in person. <laughs> and we saw each other half an hour ago. Yeah, but but we have we have to be on Zoom where it's safe. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Edinburgh's going well. I saw your show in preview and it was amazing, but it's all Thank going well up here. And I just saw your show today and it's absolutely fabulous. So congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Joe, this is the last episode of Neurodivergent Moments for this season. We will be back. We'll be back. But this is a very uh, special episode. Why don't we tell the guests why? So this is uh, our first live Neurodivergent Moments recorded at Latitude Festival. Um, it, 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 was a, it was a lot of fun. A lovely audience. I listened back to it yesterday and uh it was great it was as good as i remember it yeah we had the fabulous poet luke Wright on and instead of reading neurodivergent moments that you our audience usually send in to us we got neurodivergent moments from the crowd and it was just a really beautiful moment i liked that part it was lovely i yeah it was really beautiful let's should we just jump straight in with it let's do it let's go here we are neurodivergent moments live live recording everyone oh it's very exciting for us uh welcome to uh neurodivergent moments uh joe you want to i'm joe wells we are we you may not know this but you are watching the number four comedy podcast in estonia yeah if there's any budding podcasts out there you want to know how to get to number four in the estonian comedy podcast charts what you need is two Estonian downloads. Yeah. <laughs> counts, it counts. Uh, do you want to explain what our podcast is? Yeah, We're, it's called Neurodivergent Moments. Uh, we are neurodivergent people. They're about those little moments where you realize that your brain is different to other people's brains. Uh, I'm Joe, I'm an autistic man, so I have an unusual brain. You've got an unusual brain too, Abigailia. Yes, I am Abigailia, I have ADHD, and I'm also American, which is his own neurodivergency. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, at the end of every episode, we always like to ask our listeners, in this case you, the audience, for your neurodivergent moments, those little moments where you're like, hmm, my brain works differently. So, for instance, me as someone with ADHD, my neurodivergent moment this weekend was getting ready for latitude. I got my... Uh, my portable phone charger, I got it out, I got the cord for my portable phone charger, and then I put it right by the outlet and never charged it, so now I'm carrying around an uncharged phone charger for the entire weekend. So that's my moment. Joe, do you have one? Mine happened about half an hour ago when you were giving me festival tips, and your tip was to shower in the evening, and we're explaining how you can shower in the evening, and my autistic brain went, that is not when showers happen. (laughs) <laughs> showers happening in the morning so you feel fresh for the day and I had, but I had to put on the face of someone that was uh, going oh good tip good tip <laughs> very exciting alright and we have a wonderful guest to interview this afternoon uh, oh, but but, we, are we going to check if there's NDs in oh yeah we should we should are there any neurodivergent people in today give us a cheer yes awesome what awesome. have we got have yeah. we got autistics yay yeah. my people are in ADHD yeah. They outnumber us. Uh, <laughs> and they've got more energy as well. Uh, any dyslexicists in? I couldn't even say it. Did you see that? I should get tested for that one. Yeah, no. <laughs> can't spell it. God bless you. Uh, what about dyspraxics? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, no you did it. You did it. You're great. Perfect. You put your hand up and everything. Good for you. A- any tricky. other neurodivergents not on our list? No. No, and everyone's like, I don't <laughs> Those know the three. if mine counts. <laughs> uh, cool. And, oh, real quick, we have some wonderful people doing some signing and interpreting over here. Katie and Allie will be over here. So, yeah. So, if you want to know uh, the sign for uh, autistic, it's beautiful, beautiful. And, uh, yeah, there we go. Autistic is, and then ADHD is 
just the fucking letters. It's not nearly as cool. Uh, shall we bring on our guest? You want to yeah, bring him on? let's do it. Wonderful poet and writer, Luke Wright. Give him a... Luke! Hello. Welcome, Luke. Thank you so much for joining us. My, my utter pleasure. It's uh, quite nice. We've been soundtracked by Shed 7. It feels like the 90s. It's good. I like it. It's having a resurgence. The 90s is having a resurgence. You can tell by all the children out in the audience but in bucket hats. Have you noticed that with the 90s, though, like, in the 90s, everyone had their tribe and everything was in pockets. So, you know, you, there was the townies, the grungers, the indie kids and all that. And now when it's come back, it's just come back in this sort of delicious sort of melting pot. You know, when you get groups of people hanging around and one person looks like Kurt Cobain and the other one's dressed like Chandler from Friends. <laughs> It shouldn't be like that. Do you know what I mean? They're, not, they're doing it wrong, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's all about the clicks, kids. It's yeah, all man. about the clicks. So, uh, so Luke, you are a uh, fabulous poet, and uh, you are also dyslexic, right? That's I am dyslexic, yeah. You're dyslexic. Very am, exciting yeah. stuff. So, like, how... How does that work? How does that work? <laughs> um, well, see, so, yeah, fancy calling it dyslexia. No fuck, I can spell the word. Um, uh, how, well, I... I um, I was, uh, I guess, uh, I, I did. I was academic. I was, I was, I was, I was good at school, and but I wasn't like a particularly quick reader. And my handwriting was really bad, and my spelling was pretty awful. Um, and so my parents, when I was about ten, they took me to get tested, and then said, "You're dyslexic." Uh, and they used to make me go for like little extra lessons before school, which I didn't really like. Um, yeah, but I mean, so I, I always kind of felt so. I, Maybe about sort of six, seven years ago, I got invited uh, on a dyslexic podcast called the Codpast, excellent title. <laughs> and I said, ah, oh, I said, I said, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't want to like, make a thing out of it because like it's, it doesn't hold me back really. Like you know, I, you know, it, it, it doesn't really affect me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm technically dyslexic. I have the the diagnosis from when I was ten, but you know, I, I don't like make out that life's really difficult for me because it's not. And you know, I feel like I'm quite privileged and. And he went, no, 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 you, you, I can guarantee you that everything you do is affected by the fact you're dyslexic, every way you think. And he started reeling off these things. He says, are oh, you quite entrepreneurial? And the whole bunch of things. And I was like, oh, yes, 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 yes. So that was kind of a bit of an eye-opening moment for me. I was like, oh, actually, it's not just like I had a bit of trouble with my handwriting and my spelling when I was at school. Like, yeah, it, it, it affects my entire personality. My brain is wired in a different way, and I hadn't realised that. I kind of just thought it was a sort of a spelling, reading thing, and I hadn't even really bothered to look it up, to be totally honest. Yeah. So can you go into some of the other reasons uh, how it's affected your life? Uh, so you said well, entrepreneur... Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, 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 I am quite entrepreneurial. I mean, like, if, you, if you can be an entrepreneurial poet, but I am I'm sort of organised. <laughs> I've always had a, a firecracker up my ass to want to try and do things, basically. Even when I was, used to get, I was in a band, a terrible teenage band. Uh, we were called uh, Kanunga. Um, <laughs> and, I don't know why you're laughing. We, uh, we thought we were Blur, but we had the musical talent of Oasis. And um, <laughs> I used to get incredibly frustrated. You can't say that anymore because Oasis are back now. Blur. Um, and we, but I used to get really frustrated with the other guys because they weren't like, they didn't want to like practice as much as me and all that. And because they were just like 15 year old kids and they were like, oh yeah, we might do that. We might just go to town or whatever. But I was, I was always so driven like that. And I think, I think that's, that's, that's a result of having, having a neurodivergent brain. Um, and th- and I didn't, this is another thing I didn't realize about myself. I got married uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, Congratulations. Uh, uh, thank you very much. I mean, I, I realise that about myself. My point is, my, um, I don't know if you know the wonderful writer John Osborne. He's going to be in here on Sunday. But John Osborne was my best man, one of my best men. Uh, and he gave a beautiful speech. And in the speech, he, st- he was talking about me. It's always interesting to hear the effect that you have on other people. Like, oh, I don't know. And he said that when, he said he never met anyone like me because when, I meet people, I go, okay, um, so, um, yeah, so what do your parents do? How old are your parents? How did they meet? Uh, where did you grow up? Did they always grow up there? What does your dad think of John Major? And I, I, I ask all these sort of questions, and I think, again, that's kind of part of my brain working in a different way. Like, I, I, I need to know everything. I need to be able to have everything in its place and to be able to build a sort of um, you know, sort of framework around people when I meet them, yeah. There's so much about dyslexia and neurodivergence generally where we haven't... Um Hold it to your mouth. Oh, am I not holding the microphone there properly? Sorry. I wonder why you're grabbing me then. <laughs> this, um, is a, this is a very comedian way to hold your microphone like that. That's a, the, um, on the chin. Yeah. I can do the Bill Burr where you go like that. Um, yeah, there we go. 
the well, I th- yeah, I, th- I think you're right because we we don't see the sort of definition of dyslexia and neurodivergence generally we have is deficit of, of you know what things that are wrong with you, things you struggle with. Yeah, right. And as soon as you start to see those positives and those strengths, um, you, you you can sort of spot dyslexic and neurodivergent culture yeah. um, in those strengths. Because a lot of... Um, I was being glib when I said, um, how does that work? Because, of course, a lot of poets... There's lots of dyslexic poets. So right, Benjamin yeah. Zephaniah is the one who springs to mind. And it feels like when you watch Benjamin perform, there's a neurodivergent energy to what yeah. he does. And I can't quite say it's because he does this, this, and this. But there's something about that spoken word performance that feels dyslexic. Do you feel... You have that? Um, it's not that I'm uh, dyslexic and therefore that's why I started performing. I started performing because I saw that as a way of getting my work out there and because, you know, um, I like the attention. I like being on stage. I like people clapping me. It makes me feel worthwhile. Um, <laughs> don't patronise me. Very good. Very good audience. So, um, He's not even but, married. But, he just but, said I mean, that for an but applause. Certainly my, my editor despairs of me because, you know, the, I just don't really... I mean, I have learned to use punctuation more because punctuation is great. It's comic timing for the page. Um, but, yeah, I was terrible with punctuation when I first started. And so I affected this John Kibberclart thing of, like, do, you do no capital letters and no punctuation because I thought that looked cool. Actually, it makes it a nightmare to read on the page. It's a really bad <laughs> way of writing. If you're out there now, young poets, thinking that looks cool, it, it, it's shit. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my, my spellings... But, I, I, you know, I think, Benj- I think Benjamin Zephyr and I... Are, Struggles with with, with with literacy more than I do. I, I think I think you know. I think I don't think we ha- we're at the in the same way. But um, but our brains are still working in a certain way that um, is really good for creativity. I think I think I'm, I'm a natural kind of natural thinker, and I think that must also be part of it. I t- my, my son's autistic, right? And um, I always say to him like because he gets really frustrated. He has uh, cognitive issues with learning so if you say to him um if you give him some new bit of information um which is the way that all schools work right you go here is some information write down the information now what was the information that's how they teach people but for Aiden it goes to the back of the queue he's like oh okay I heard that information I'll get round to processing it like maybe tomorrow or next week and then I'll know it which, which is makes schooling almost impossible for him and he gets really really frustrated um and uh, he goes, oh, I wish I wasn't uh, autistic. He's also dyslexic as well. And, you know, and, he, and he goes, I wish I wasn't. Or he did do, you know. And I've always tried to say, well, you know, you can't separate out you and this. You wouldn't be the person you are if you weren't like that. So it's all, you know, and you're great. And he does think he's great. He does, he does have good self-esteem, actually. So, um, yeah, so I've lost the thread of what I was saying. But, like, I mean, you, you, I can't really unpick it. It's all, everything I do is because I'm dyslexic. And yeah. Everything he does is because he's autistic. Everything, you know, the way he is. And so trying to sort of pick out those, yeah, traits is quite difficult, I think, you know. I think oh. you're right. We, we've talked about we're both in relationships with other neurodivergent people. And sometimes oh. it can be frustrating. Um, today my wife left the, her phone at the hotel, so we we're almost late for this. Uh, she has ADHD. But... So sometimes it's for, it's for strength, but then you go, I would not want to go out of a neurotypical person. Sorry right. to any in. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, well, I, I think it's all one thing. You know, I wouldn't want to be neurotypical, even though there are aspects of neurodivergence which sometimes can, yeah. be, can be difficult. I have to say, I don't really think about it so, so much. I mean, I, I think about it more now that, um, because I, say, I, think, I think the sort of challenges uh, that Aiden has been presented with that... Um, are oh, certainly more of a hindrance that, that, than they were for me at school. Like, like socially, Aiden's amazing. You know, he did he, he did really struggle when he was younger, um, but he's amazing now. Like, he's just got low, you know, loads of friends, and he, you know, and he and he's feels more comfortable. Um, uh, but um, but the, but the school stuff's a real problem. The academic stuff's a real problem. Like, you know, he he's got um, you know, EHCP and he needs lots and lots of support at school. So it's made us think about it a little bit more. But. Um, I didn't. We, I mean, I didn't even know this word neurodivergent until like maybe like a year or two ago. It kind of feels like, but uh, but the visibility is great, right? I, I loved it when you were like getting people to shout out, "Oh, we got neurodivergent people in the audience." That's that just wouldn't have happened, you know. We wouldn't have talked about it in that way. Yeah. Um, were you? You said you were diagnosed young, right? You were diagnosed like ten, in school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, ten, eleven. Yeah, I was. I was diagnosed uh, uh, just a couple years ago myself, and I was someone who was like, I don't think I have. ADHD and, and my partner who's autistic was like, no, you definitely have it. 
Um, because of all these reasons. And I was like, no, that's just how everyone's mind works. And he's like, no, that's how your mind works. And it's really been interesting to like open that door and find yeah. a whole community there and support. And I don't know, I'm just, I think it's beautiful. Just want to throw that in. Uh, I, here, I have a question for you. Okay. Like, what, what drew you, uh, like, to, as an art form, what drew you to poetry specifically? Because you also said you were very entrepreneurial. And when I think of the arts and making money, poetry's not the first one that no, comes to well, mind, mate. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, I mean, you said you were entrepreneurial, but you're telling us backstage you've forgotten to bring any books to sell. Yeah. No, I, I brought books to sell and I sold them all. So every, oh, yeah, snap. Yeah. <laughs> snap. <laughs> I should have brought more books to sell, but you know what? Lugging a massive merch case around that, actually, <laughs> it's a bit pathetic. It's, it's like, well, just enjoy the nice gig. Don't have to go out there and. Hawk the books, but I do always go out there and hawk. But I can't help myself but do that. And actually, I was listening to a podcast with Stuart Lee the other day, and apparently he still goes out and hawks all his books afterwards as well. So if it's good enough for Stuart Lee, it's good enough for me. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, being an artist, um, um, and especially if you work, and I haven't got, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a literary agent, but I haven't got like a, a talent agent. I haven't got a booking agent. I do all that stuff myself, and I, I really, I really enjoy. I mean, I've got friends who are artists who like just, just. Literally couldn't even begin to try and do all that sort of stuff. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they, it's not you know, it's not something that suits their temperament. They're not interested in it. But I enjoy, like you know, what's that larking line? So, so, something su- sufficiently toad-like squats in me as well. Like I enjoy invoicing and booking my gigs up and doing all that sort of stuff and kind of just managing my own career and and, and you know, try, trying to work out how the fuck you make a living out of poetry, which, as you say, is. Yeah. You know, not, you know, what's a, never been a reliable engine of wealth. Yeah. But, like, so have you been writing poetry since you were a kid, or did you come to it, like, when you were a little older? Yeah, I was, I started writing, I got, when I was in year nine, I got a a country house single, um, and um, read the lyrics, I love the the lyrics of that, and I thought that was... So amazing, and I um, got the that Great Escape album by Blur, um, and there was that song, Mr. Robinson's Quango. Uh, he's a self-professed savior of the dim right ring. He got respiratory problems and a mason's ring, and I thought that is so clever and succinct. And I wanted to write amazing lines like that, so I started writing lyrics to songs that didn't exist because I couldn't play any instruments at the time. And then I then I taught myself to play very very rudimentary guitar. And I put, you know, chords to my terrible lyrics, um, and listened to bands like Shed Seven playing songs like "Are You Going <laughs> for Gold?" That's not going to work well on the podcast. Um, and then it wasn't until I was like 16 I saw um, went to the art centre to watch a bloke called Martin Yule. David knows Martin Yule. He's in a band called The Clean. Well, he is the band The Cleaners from Venus. Uh, but he's also a poet and wrote poems for the Independent for years. He's Britain's most frequently published poet. Uh, the only living poet to have uh, more than one poem on the front page of a national newspaper, and yet no one's really heard of him. Uh, he himself is also a neurodivergent. He, he, uh, he has Asperger's. Um, only diagnosed in his 60s, if you oh, imagine wow. that. So like, he's like now making sense of a lot of his life. right? Um, but I went to go watch him, and he was playing with John Cooper Clark, who I'd vaguely heard of. Um, and I saw these guys do poetry on stage, and I was like, oh, that, that's what I want to do. There was a chance that suddenly you could be you can be funny and witty between your poems. Um, they were like the front men of a band, but without a band. They, they were so rock and roll, but it was funny, it was literary, it was clever, it was beautiful. Had all these amazing, succinct, witty lines that I'd loved when I'd read the lyrics of Damon Albarn or Jarvis Cocker, and I was like, yeah, that, that. And then I don't have to worry about the band, I don't want to turn up for band practice and all that, so I can just go it alone, you know? How yeah. do you feel you fit into, like... Because the, the sort of literary establishment, I always think of as very neurotypical, very people who did well at school. Mm. How, how does that feel when you're around sort of um, p- people who see themselves as very sort of literary? Well, there's, there's a weird sort of snobbery in the poetry world. You know, basically, if a poem is, um, if a poem is like really funny and light and the audience love it and they go, oh, that was great, you know, that, then there's a sort of a, a wisdom that that's turgid commercial shit and you're the wankers for liking it. And yet, if at the end of a poem you go... Uh, and that's art and that's good for you <laughs> and there is that sort of snobbery and there has always been that snobbery in poetry it's, it's changing a lot now and I think actually the sort of more literary scene and the more you know, the sort of spoken word scene are melding and meshing a lot more um, 
But I don't know. I feel like I'm, you know, in two camps. Like I did do well at school. Like I was, I was like, you know, I was insanely competitive at academic stuff. I was like top of all my classes and wanted to be, really wanted to be. Like I feel a bit, you know, that's not cool to say, but I did secretly always want to to do that. Um, but I didn't. I didn't go down that route. Like I could have, you know, I didn't try and go to Oxford or Cambridge. I, I went to, I went, I wanted to go UEA because that's where they did creative writing. Um, and then amazing sort of for someone who's like ambitious and academic amazing lapses in attention to things like uh, I mean like, like, I'm not I've not been diagnosed for ADHD but like I reckon I, I, a lot of my friends have actually a lot of comedians right so like, oh, yeah. my friend Chappie's just been diagnosed as ADHD um, and I recognise a lot of those traits so like when I'm doing the UCAS form I just didn't do it. Like, I did it, like, in McDonald's car park at 6am, the day it had to be handed in after a big night out in London. Um, and I'm just going, oh, what universities are there? UEA. I'm just going to put that for, like, four choices. You know, it all worked out. But, um, yeah, and again, again I, don't know that, I don't know whether that's a neurodiverse trait or not. Just sort of, you know, just completely block something out if it's a bit, you know, uh, difficult or uncomfortable. one of the yeah. quotes I have, which I think made a lot of sense of neurodivergence for me was Andrew O'Neill said to me the map is not the territory and uh, a lot of these diagnoses they are mapping a description onto real human beings who exist and are right, diverse yeah. and different and I yeah. think there was obviously they are useful and they're useful for people's identities and they're useful to these groups exist but at the same time uh, we have to realise that there's some sort of like there's some grey area around the edges of those diagnoses um, yeah. I met someone who was told they were two-thirds autistic. That was the diagnosis they had. So just up to the nipples, I think, was how, how autistic they were. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because since uh, Joe and I, we've been doing this podcast now for about three months. And uh, as someone who's been diagnosed with ADHD not too long ago, every time we interview someone with a different neurodivergency, like dyslexia, and they talk about it, I'm like, I think I got that one too. I think I, like, I feel like I'm yeah. going to slowly collect them over the years. Yeah, they, right. They overlap and, and, yeah. and they even, you know, and I think so, like a lot of people do have more, more than one, but it's yeah. interesting to see how many similarities there are between them than there are differences. Well, it's not an exact science, as you say. These yeah. people try to make sense of, of, of character traits. and I certainly felt like when, when Aiden was really little, he was, you know, he was much slower to do a lot of stuff than other kids. He really struggled, and he was quite unhappy as a result. And um, his mum and I were... It was really hard for us because we thought that we... We'd, we he was our, he's our eldest child, and we didn't know what was wrong, and we thought it was something that we, that we had done and we didn't know and so when they went to nursery and they said look I really think you should perhaps have him he was three when he was diagnosed um, that was a uh, that was really helpful for us because you know we, we could stop beating ourselves up that we, that we were doing something that was making him unhappy and there was something some reason and then actually sort of cut him some slack as well right and, and not you know, and just let him develop which you should always do anyway let kids do of course to an extent we always let kids develop at their own rate but you know the diagnosis was really really useful and I told him when he was really little like in a casual way oh just so you know that you, you know you, you have this thing called autism you know and, and it just means that your, that your brain works a bit differently you know um when he was too young to understand it, because I'm adopted, um, and I was told, I don't remember being told, like I always knew, like from a tiny child I knew I was adopted, and it, you know, uh, and that was really useful because you just grow up and it's like it's just part of you, rather than it be like we've got something to tell you kind yeah. of kind of moment. Um, and I, I don't know if that was the right way to do it, but um, to say like he's, you know, it's never been, you know, it's never been a, a big thing. It's just something that he. I think it's totally the right with. way to do it because yeah. I think. It's, it's only something you would keep if you thought it was a bad thing. You right, know? yeah. If someone yeah. was tall, you yeah. wouldn't keep that from them and then bring them out together. Just so you <laughs> know, the reason you keep bumping your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah t- totally. You know, yeah, completely, yeah. And, and as I say, like, he, sometimes he feels like it's a bad thing. And I really have to, try, you know, because, because it, it leads to these struggles at school. But, mm. he, you know, he is... He's amazing. Like, oh, everyone thinks their kids are amazing. But he's just such an, an, an incredible, incredible, warm... Um, oh, I don't know. Like, he's just something about him, sort of really fucking magic. Um, and I keep saying to him, you wouldn't, you know, all those things that are magic about you, that's all part and parcel of the same thing. So, yeah, it's, it sucks that you really struggle at school, but like, we're, we're, we're almost through it now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Four more years, you know. Okay, so yeah. he's a teenager. He's 13, now. yeah. He's okay, 13 yeah. now, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, the the movies lie. Uh, the teenage years are not the best years of your life. I don't know if you got that that talk uh, over here but 
I feel like growing up in America, it was like high school's gonna be the greatest years of your life. <laughs> and I remember being in high school being like, shoot me now then, because yeah. this sucks. Well, that's, isn't that one of the worst things you can say to a child? What a depressing thing. School are the best days of your life. What a fucking <laughs> miserable thing. Because even if that is true, even if they love school, they're like, yeah, it's downhill. What a, what a defeatist. It's one of the worst things you can say to a child. This is as good as it gets. Fuck me. Enjoy the next 60 Jesus years after. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Another thing we wanted to talk about uh, was uh, festivaling. Um, because uh, as neurodivergent, like I said, like festivaling can be sometimes a bit tricky. Uh, for instance, we have no way to charge our phones and we forgot our speaker. We're living hard lives uh, by our tents. And uh, uh, Joe, Joe, Joe's just staying in a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll give you a yeah, hotel. I, 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 I clocked that early on. I, well, I almost was late because we were late leaving the hotel. You got yeah. a hotel. Did I give you a hotel? Be up a hotel, yeah. Yeah. Did you not get a hotel from last year? Wait a minute. Hotel. You got a hotel. You got a hotel. <laughs> I'm the co-host. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you were talking about uh, like how do you feel about festivals and being neurodivergent? You were saying that you don't. Well, I don't think my dyslexia. I mean, I say, I say in, in, in so much as it affects everything I do. Um, but I don't. Think, I don't think. I don't feel like I have any dyslexic moments. Um, uh, but I, um, I find them quite, they're quite horrible environments, festivals, aren't they? Like, look how many people there are, no offence, but like, look how many people there are. It's really like, uh, it's all like sort of hot and busy and loud and I don't really like that. <laughs> to be honest, it's, like, it's a bit much really. Um, I just, I mean, I just drink my way through and I'm, I'm, I have a good time. Like it's a good piss up, but it's quite, it's, it's intense. It's intense trying to have a conversation with you. Well, you know, they're, they're that was singing a lovely Getting Better pun that you by Shed Seven. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, oh, I remember this song. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're quite intense. And, and again, that's something that I've learned with Aiden. There, was, there were, there were um, places that would overwhelm him. And so are you going to say it's intense and not do the pun? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've done I thought, it. Are you, you're going, it's intense. You've got to say, thank you very much. I'm hey, man, I'm not a comedian. comedian. That's, that's your line of work. Do you know what I mean? I'll make it rhyme. You can, you can, you, you can pun. Um, uh, yeah, there were places I went with Aiden that were... Yeah, I mean, a lot of places we put our kids are very intense, loud, you know, like, like um, you know, soft play centres, trampoline parks. Fuck me, a trampoline... Have you ever been to a trampoline park? It's like a literal hell on earth. It's horrible. <laughs> All that bouncing and music, and anyway, but he loves it when he's into it, but then it will overwhelm him. But uh, he's realized how fucking wonderful it was to be able to go outside. I <laughs> 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 went, oh, yeah, I don't really like that either, yeah. So I do, I do find it, you know, a bit overloading, really, and that's, that's why I, I drink and take drugs, um, and, and it's better for that, yeah. <laughs> that's our message to the young people. That's of our message yeah. to young people. Just uh, drink and take yeah. drugs. Yeah. Drink and take drugs through like paracetamol and um, ibuprofen and those sort of things. Yeah. Wait, yeah. last time I, I, I camped here at Latitude last time and I went, I will not be doing that again. I will be getting the hotel. Yeah, well, I'm straight. <laughs> you can have a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> we had a. Uh, I, I salute you in your hotel. <laughs> well, well, late at night, there were some, some uh, other performers who took it upon themselves to entertain the campsite and were playing music. I was very angry about that. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. Then this woman ten cunts, behind us. We call them, yeah. Ten cunts, yeah. yeah that's ten lovely. Cunts. Describes yeah. them perfectly. Yeah. Uh, this uh, woman comes out and tells them off, and I went, "Yes, we've got the tent police. This is good. She's going to keep." And but then at six in the morning the next day, she's up turning off her children. And uh, yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, the early rising people. Yeah, oh, they're awful. the first to complain when you make noise at three a.m., which is your going to bed time. But they don't think the second of it of making noise at six thirty when they're up. Doing yoga or something noisy <laughs> and annoying like that. She had a child called Bending Griffin. noisily. Her child was called Griffin, and she was uh, having quite an intense conversation with Griffin about. Um, she'd obviously read like a parenting book that said you can't, you have to like enter into their world of imagination. So she was trying to tell Griffin that Optimus Prime wasn't allowed to come to the festival. <laughs> But she wouldn't go. It's a toy. You got to leave your toys here. She go. No, Optimus wants to stay here. He wants to stay here. <laughs> 6 a.m. that was. Yeah. <laughs> hotel. It's lovely, the hotel. It'll hotel. I've, I've always quite uh, uh, liked festivals uh, because I've only ever come to them as a performer. 
And uh, this is what I like, is being in front of the crowd. Now, in the crowd, it can be a little tricky sometimes. And I, were you here last year when it was the first year back after yeah, the, yeah. all the lockdown? I, I have been to all the Latitude Festival. I think I'm the only performer to have formed of every single Latitude Festival. That is my dubious Wow. Honor. Yeah. 16 years. Yeah. I just keep coming back. But uh, last year, uh, me and my boyfriend, we went to the main stage to watch uh, Chemical Brothers. Yeah, Chemical Brothers. And, right? So good. So good. And we were, we were in the crowd, and it was great. But it was the first time I had been, like, in a crowd for two years. And the girl next to me was just dancing, and she had her hair down. And every once in a while, her hair would hit me. And I think two years prior, I would never notice but because I hadn't been in a crowd for that long, every time it touched me, I was like, Aah! like I really felt violence for the first time. But then I just got drunk and took drugs. So yeah, you're right, well, Luke. Yeah, yeah, that's, you that's are right. That is yeah. how you do it. Desensitize ourselves to these otherwise high-pressure situations. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, if this was, if you went into Norwich and it was this busy, you'd be like, oh, town's a bit intense today, I might just go home, right? But we, but we sort of, I mean, it's good, don't get me wrong, it's nice to be with your, your, your fellow people and all that, but it, it is kind of, it's full on. If you have on. to go into Norwich, take drugs. That's the, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Moral. I'm saying if you're going to Norwich on a Saturday, take, I mean, I, yeah, I do feel like that. But then people love going to shopping centres and walking around, so maybe that's just, wow, I'm different. Cause, you know, well, I think part of it's it my is... my idea of hell. Like, mindset, yeah? Like, you know you're going into this. You know like yeah. you're going to be around crowds. You know the toilets are going to be scary by, like, midday on Friday. Um, like, you know... Man... I, I thought this would be a really great topic for this festival, but now it just feels like we've spent 20 minutes bitching about being here. Yeah. So thank you, Latitude, for having us. We really appreciate it. We are delighted. I mean, a, yeah, yeah, I keep coming We can talk about so. how nice our toilets are. Oh, yeah. We've got t- lovely toilets. Our so. toilets flush. I don't so want to brag. Nice. Yeah. They are very good. Anyways, you'll never see them, so nice. enjoy that, everyone. <laughs> Have you been to Wilderness Festival? That is, that is I no, would say, I my least favourite festival. Your least favourite? Yeah. Dave, it's in David Cameron's constituency, and he goes on the Sunday and has a little wander around. Right, and I think yeah, yeah, any yeah. music festival where David Cameron can walk around unpunched is not is one that, I want to be at. Did that yeah. used to be called Cornbury? Is that the same festival? No, I think that's a different one. Cornbury is a similar sort of thing. It's, it's in the Cotswold, and it's full of cunts. <laughs> I, I saw... I saw um, I saw Björk there, who uh, uh, the Icelandic singer who people mispronounce their name, but it's Björk, okay. um, and uh, <laughs> she she didn't do any hits, so everyone was there ready for for her to do um, it's so so quiet that sort of yeah. thing. No hits, all weird like uh, Full soundtrack stuff. It was amazing. <laughs> the crowd fucking hated it. <laughs> she comes out to do the encore and she goes, "Well, it's my last song. It's a quiet song. I guess you could say it's so so quiet." And the audience go, yeah, she's going to do the song. She doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> she just does a quiet song. <laughs> so quiet a song. Yeah. Yeah. But Yerk uh, is, knows what she's fucking doing. She's, she's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Um, my, well, obviously, the least, my least favorite festival, as should be everyone's, is Reading. Right? Reading is the worst <laughs> festival in the world, right? Okay. It's I like mean, look, 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 the lineups are always great. Obviously, that means nothing to me now because I'm old, and I, I'm at the point now where I look at a festival lineup and I go, I don't know who any, apart from Snow Patrol, and I don't want to see them. I don't know who anyone is. <laughs> um, so, but we went to Reading last year because I was performing um, there, and it was just full of drunk, semi-naked children. It was, it was. Terrifying. Um, so we got drunk and uh, <laughs> got through. But yeah, it was, it was really horrible. Yeah, really that, horrible. That's a conversation. My boyfriend and I, I think this is our sixth Latitude Festival. And we were sitting at our tent and Tom looks at me and goes, it seems like everyone at Latitude is getting so much younger, but I'm not sure if that's the direction things are going. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, we're slowly, yeah, yeah. we're becoming elder Bus festivals. drivers look young now, don't they? Bus oh. drivers look young, and I struggle with the five Ps because they're quite small. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's tricky, tricky. Um, you mentioned that you might have a poem, I do have a poem. to read. Yes, I do, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. How Shall did that we, work out? Um, Before we do that, should we prep people for the neurodivergent moments? Oh, yeah. We didn't mention that. So we are hoping oh. to 
uh, ask you, well, uh, the neurodivergent people in the audience, uh, we do a thing called neurodivergent moments where if you've got a little anecdote where something unusual happened where you realise your brain was different to other people's brains, we want to hear those little stories. We love them. We think they are beautiful. Uh, so if you're a neurodivergent person in the audience, we're going to go around with a microphone after Luke's wonderful poem and uh, we're going to hear some of your moments. So have a little think about what uh, a moment in your life where you realised that your brain was unusual. We were supposed to explain that at the beginning when we were explaining our neurodivergent moments and I was supposed to explain it, but I forgot. So there's my second neurodivergent moment of the festival. So yeah. So you have a poem for us? I have a poem. This is about my son, Aidan. And it's... um, So when he was uh, little... And he'd be, you know, making noise, whining like they do. We'd say, oh, we, uh, I, need a pe- I need some peace and quiet. And he misheard it as a, a piece of quiet. And he used to go, he used to go I need a piece of quiet. Um, which is not oh, adorable. So this is called A Piece of Quiet, and it's for Adam. At three, you minced the phrase you'd heard us say. You tugged my sleeve. I need a piece of quiet. Later we discovered you required this much more than us. We learned your diagnosis like the rosary. It helped us understand how noise could flood your mind. Taught us how to better cut your anger. Counseled us that it was not our fault. Ten years have passed. Our families split but still we share your gifts. You tug my sleeve to escape the party's treble. We ditched the trampoline park's dreadful keening. Hit the showers early at the pool and go outside to let the sky unfold above our heads. Re-earth ourselves in clearings and tear each other off a piece of quiet. Oh, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. How long ago did you write that for? Sorry? How long ago did you, is that a recent one? Um, it's in my most recent collection. I think probably it's like... Oh, by chance, like, what is that collection and uh, where could the, one purchase uh, it? That's uh, the Feel Good Movie of the Year as published by Pend in the Margins. Um, uh, you can't buy it here because I've sold out of books. Um, but yeah, it's in the, I don't know, but it's like two or three years old, maybe that poem? Okay. Yeah, I can't, yeah, sometime in the last four years. Yeah, 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 does yeah. He, just curious, does he read your poetry? Has he yeah, he does. Uh, well, he, they come to gigs now and stuff, and they, they like the ones that about them. I've got one about his brother, about his brother learning to read, and yeah, and they, they, like, they like the ones that are about them, yeah, and he likes that, and he, and he I think he understands, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a poem of, of love, and, and he's not, um, you know, you, as they get older, because when they're little, you kind of think, well, you, you kind of, it's hard to imagine them, you know, as, as adults in the world and stuff, but obviously I'm aware that as he gets older, I'm writing about him, that, you know, that, that needs to be something that he gives me his consent for, but he, he is... Yeah, he's yeah he doesn't mind at all. He's, oh, he's very open about stuff like that, and I I think he recognizes that poem as as the, as the poem of, of love that it is. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's so different than as a Joe and I are stand up comedians, and when we write about our family, they are not happy. <laughs> yeah. uh, very different game. Uh, everyone, give it up uh, for Lou Gray, our fabulous guest, and uh, yeah. Do I go now? Or yeah, I, no, I you should moment. stay. I'm just yeah, trying yeah. to figure okay. out how to move this seamlessly in another direction. <laughs> <laughs> Applause seems always the way. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so what we're going to do is if anyone has a neurodivergent moment uh, they want to share from the audience, put your hand up. We'll have people come around with microphones. And if you could just say your name and what your neurodivergency is. And, uh, yes, we have this lovely person in the uh, black and white, Daisy I believe, shirt. flower. Daisy shirt, yes. Uh, could we get uh, over to this? Yeah, go ahead. Stand up, my friend. Stand up. We'll get we'll get a microphone over to you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, can hear you. Uh, what's your name? My name is Aaron. Aaron, very cool. How old are you, Aaron? I'm 19 and I'm autistic. 19 and autistic. Very cool. <laughs> One of my people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what uh, What's your uh, neurodivergent moment? So when I was about six or seven, I was being quite badly bullied and my parents, uh, right here... <laughs> We're going through a divorce. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, one day, my mum bought me a book about a boy wizard called Harry Potter. And I read it, and I fell so in love with it, I thought, you know what? Harry has a pretty good life. I'm going to just do that. And for about two years, I thought I was Harry Potter. <laughs> I demanded my teachers call me Harry Potter. I introduced myself as Harry. And I to- I, there was one situation my lo- mum loves to talk about. Where I went to a couple at a restaurant and said, hello, I'm an orphan. (laughs) My parents were murdered. 
by Voldemort. <laughs> and only um, a few years later, when I was about nine, I looked back, to, back on this and I thought, oh, I don't think that was normal. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Give him a round That's of applause. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful icebreaker. Wonderful icebreaker. Who else? Uh, we have uh, this gentleman over here in the tie-dye, yes? Uh, go ahead, stand up, sir. We'll get the microphone over to you, our lovely microphone. I love person. Our ethos has always been you can be whatever you want to be, but maybe not a fictional character. That is difficult. <laughs> so. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi, pal. What's your name? Hi, I'm Richard, and I've got ADHD. Ah, one of my people. You can tell because he's yeah, wearing tie-dye. So, sounded a couple times. I'm just... Like, when I, go, when I went out of uni, I went to a club once, and that, that night I hadn't drunk at all. But I was just waiting in the line, and I was standing up, just, you know, going off on one in my train of thought. And the bouncer won't let me in, because he thinks I'm totally drunk. Even though I hadn't had a drop of alcohol. And again, recently, I was zigzagging in between two o'clock, because I was just a bit bored, and my mind was going that way. And they thought I was drunk, and they didn't want to let me in, because... <laughs> twice! Yeah, just, you know, so, um, yeah, you... Don't show your ADHD traits, you might not get into a club. <laughs> oh, give Richard a round of applause, everybody. Oh, wonderful. I love that. That really reminds me. I, I'm always, I don't drink a lot because I'm always aware that I become a lot more autistic when I am drunk. Because I'm, there's always things where I want to pick people up on rules they've not followed or things they're doing wrong. And a few drinks, I go, right, I can tell people what I really think now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we have this lovely gentleman. Go ahead and stand up. What's your name? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, can. I can hear you. That, this is weird. Honestly, that is <laughs> so you're really in the right weird. place. Um, What's your name? Matthew. Matthew. Um, um, no, I do not have a relation to maths, even though I do like it. Um, <laughs> um, my, my name has recently got um, refurbished in Suffolk. Um, apparently in Suffolk it's now called Matthew. Um, so before you go on uh, Matthew uh, what is your neurodivergency Um, autism autism Um, very cool and I think I might have a little sprinkle of ADHD oh (laughs) look at you collector a collector (laughs) Uh, go ahead do you Um, have a story so um, this one time at my old school I'm in a better school now um but this one time at my old school, um, I wrecked the classroom, and now, like, like proper like breaking chair legs, throwing everything around the classroom, flipping tables, and now whenever I look on that look up onto that moment, I'm like, oh my god, I suck. No. Uh-huh. ASD, it's alright. ADHD, fun. Um, but do you know what? Um, I, I had a hard time at school, and I think you, when you grow up, you find your people, and you find the, the people who get you for being weird and unusual, yeah. and you've got to yeah. cling on to them, and uh, things will get a lot better. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> and if... And if an environment makes you that angry and cross, then it's the fault of the environment, not the fault of you. Yeah. Yeah. Keep keep myself out of it. Say it again. Keep myself out of it. Yeah. (laughs) What, uh, uh, may I ask how old you are, Matthew? Um, eight, about to, about to turn nine. Um, like, I don't know, a month or two after... The summer holidays, 25th of October. Okay, cool. Well, I think uh, the last thing is just remember, your school days are not the best days of your life. They are (laughs) yet to come, babe. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Give Matthew a huge round of applause. All right. Absolutely wonderful. Um, I think we have time for one more. Uh, yeah, we've got time for one more. Uh, We have time for one more. Uh, Yes, there's this lovely lady over here in the bucket hats. Uh, yeah, yes, yes, you stand up, nice, tall. There's another person in front as well. Say what? There's another person in front. Oh, there's another person. Yeah, then we have the person in front. Yeah, we've got time. Okay, so we'll do, we'll do the person in the back, and then we'll do the person in the front, and, uh, and yeah, that should, that should, that should do it. Uh, yes. What's your name, my friend? Uh, I'm Katie. Katie, and what's your neurodivergency? Uh, I've got autism and ADHD. Collector, a collector. Fabulous. (laughs) Um, 
And I just remember really distinctly in high school, um, I was in drama class and they asked um, all of us what our weird habits were. And everyone kind of said similar things, you know. And then I said, I separate all of my food. And everyone looked at me as if I had about four heads because I don't like the food touching. <laughs> and things like, and I tend to eat it in an order too. And I said that, and they all looked at me as if I was like an alien. And I just knew at that point, I was like, that's not normal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like clearly I've said something weird here. But Having food in the right order is the perfect thing. I think of it like a comedy show. You have the opener will be one part of the meal, and then yeah. you cl- like you want the best part to be the headliner. So oh, yeah, totally 100%. get it. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Thank you very much, Katie. Yeah, very beautiful. Beautiful. So we have one more person down here. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. What's your name? I'm Megan. I'm sixteen, and I have ADHD. Okay. Cool. What's your story, Megan? Um. It's okay, it's okay. Um, we can come back to you if you, if you so need a moment. I always describe having ADHD as a bit like a, a really excited dog, because sometimes I'll just be like, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> I, can always, I take medication for my ADHD, and I can always tell when I come off it, because I'm just like much, like, I'm just like, oh, there's a, oh, oh, that, that's the thing. Like, uh, yeah. And again, no one can tell if, I, I'm drunk. Like, I always have people go, oh, are you drunk? No, no, I'm just very hyper. I'm just here. Um, and, yeah. Uh, also, time management, can't do that. No. no. I'm, I'm like, oh, I have a doctor's appointment at three. That means I cannot do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, I feel you, Katie. Uh, I, me and my boyfriend came to the festival yesterday and so I wanted to be here to see Luke perform at 1. So we left our house in London at 2 p.m. <laughs> so I get it. Give Katie a round of applause, everyone. Give her a round of applause. And I think... Do we have time for one more? Did we have, uh, we have just one more up here. Is that okay? Can we do this? Stand up, my friend. Stand up if you, if you wish. Hello. And what's your name? Elliot. Elliot, cool. And what's your neurodivergency? I have autism. Autism. Okay, go ahead. Um, When I got to the festival and we got our wristbands on, uh, my brain decided that there was a right way round for it to be. Um, And and it decided that it was the wrong way round. And because they don't come off, so you can't get people people in who aren't supposed to be, had to get it cut off and put another one on. Ah. (laughs) Perfect. Give Elliot a round of applause. Thank you so much. Shout out to Latitude for being very accommodating. Yeah, right, yeah, and Latitude for being important. Good and you're right, it. Elliot. There's a there's a way because it's got writing on it. So you, I totally agree. Um, I need people to know that I'm a performer. I think, I when think I wear is, six months afterwards. Is this the right way around? Yes, yes. In so fact, you can all see that I'm a performer because I know that I'm a performer. Yeah. Yeah, yours is the right way. They put mine on the wrong way round, but I wasn't as strong as Elliot, yeah. so I didn't <laughs> demand it them to change it. So very good for you, my friend. Um. Guys, neurodivergent moments. This pod, this episode is going to be our season finale, so it's going to come out in a two weeks. Two weeks, and uh, thank you, everyone who shared a, a story with us. You lovely. will be on the podcast. We're available wherever podcasts can be downloaded. And Luke Wright, our fabulous guest here thank tonight, you. this afternoon, absolutely lovely, and. Uh, have you got anything you're working on that you're going to the Edinburgh Fringe? Yeah, week? I have two shows at the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm doing a play called The Remains of Logan Dankworth and then a late-night poetry show called Loot Rights, Late Night, Dance Floor, Fillers, and then in brackets, Poems. So, <laughs> um, that's, yeah. Both at the Pleasance, if you're going to be in Edinburgh. Yeah. Thank you for having us last year. I think it's everything are we you, need to say. Yeah, I'm just wondering, are you performing any other time today? I don't know. I'm over at the Outpost, I think. 4.20, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's a funny number. Yeah, there we go. I uh, told people that time and they laugh, and I don't really know why, but I'm on at 4.20. Well, you will know when I'm watching you because I will be in the back. Hi. Okay. (laughs) Um, Guys, thank you again, and I think this is it. Yeah, cheers. Thank you so much. Cheers. Have a good one.
there it was, Luke Wright, live with us at Latitude Festival. Yeah, and he is also here at the Edinburgh Fringe, so if you happen to be around, go check him out. Luke Wright's Late Night Dance Floor Fillers, brackets, poems, is on at 11 p.m. at uh, the Pleasance, and Luke Wright, The Remains of Logan Dankworth, is on at 3.45 at the Pleasance Courtyard. And what's great is neither of Luke's shows uh, um, conflict with our shows. You could have a whole day of this podcast taken apart. You could see me, you could see Luke, you could see you, and then you could see Luke again. Yeah, and what time are you on? I'm midday at the Banshee Labyrinth, and you are? 6.20 at the Tron. And um, guys, this is our last um, recording for this season. We'll be back in October. Yes, well, it's the last uh, public recording. We've got some Patreon stuff coming out. Yes, Patreon stuff will come out during the off season. And um, I just want to say real quick that um, obviously um, Joe and I just started this podcast a few months ago and the support and feedback has been amazing. So thank you so much for listening and uh, being a part of this community because you've made it possible for us to come back and do another season. Yeah, yeah, thank you, everyone. It's been so, like, like more than anything I've ever done, I have, we have people come up to me and message us and say, you know, this is really important. So it really feels, I'm very happy with this podcast. It's gone very well. Yeah, me too. Well done, us. Go go team. <laughs> so yeah, go to the Patreon, though, which is patreon.com forward slash... Oh, fuck, I should have looked this up, shouldn't I? Let's Just take put that Neurodivergent <laughs> Moments podcast into the Patreon app. If you have You'll Patreon, find it. you're using the app. So... <laughs> Um, All right, guys, we will talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon. Bye. Oh, and rate and give us five stars. Okay, thanks. Bye. Oh, yes, please do that. Yeah, bye. (laughs) 